Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Well, good morning, Thrive. How you doing today? Good? Come on, let's give it up for the worship team. What an incredible set this morning. Love it. Love it. Throwback Thursday today. And it was Sunday with some of those worship songs. You know, you know the cool thing about worship songs like that? Um, the, the song's not powerful. It's when God rests in the song that's powerful. Because I remember being a teenager, hearing that song, and God meeting me in my bedroom or meeting me at my old church or meeting me at this church. And, and it's a reminder of the faithfulness of Jesus in my life. And I'm just so excited for what God is doing here at Thrive. It's so powerful, and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do through the rest of the year. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, Hey, for those of you that do not know me, my name is Pastor Chris. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor here at Thrive, uh, the best church in the world. Come on now. And do me a favor, 10 a.m. I know we got a lot of people on Facebook and YouTube joining us online. Come on, let's welcome everyone online this morning. Give them a warm welcome. Thank you. We miss you. We hope that one day you could come back in the room. But whether it's COVID or vacation or whatever, we're praying for you. And I believe that God's going to speak to you in this service as well. All right, family, let's go ahead and jump into it. We are continuing our series Inside Out. We're talking about spiritual maturity. And my gosh, I believe that the last four weeks have been powerful. And we are halfway there this week. All right? We got five down, five more to go. And... This week, um, I'm excited, but I'm also, I'm going to be honest, a little nervous because uh, sometimes when you prepare messages as a preacher, um, you prepare them for the house, but also God speaks to you. And then sometimes you prepare messages as a preacher and then God speaks to you more than it's like you're going to preach to people. And so, you know what I'm talking about? You ever, like God ever... Like, you hear a message, and you're like, yeah, that's for my neighbor. And God's like, no, that was for you, bro. (laughs) Like, oh, my, if only my spouse was here. (laughs) I hope she's watching online. And it's like, nope, that one's for you. So today, the fifth sign of or indicator of maturity we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about obedience. We're going to talk about obedience. And so if if you thought... We were going to get in your kitchen a couple weeks ago, and last week when Pastor Eric preached, we just going to keep... We went from getting in your kitchen to remodeling the kitchen. Let's just, you know, you ever have that one cousin that just moves all the dishes everywhere they're not supposed to, or that one family member? Like at Thanksgiving, they come, and now your spoons aren't where they're supposed to be, and, and, and that's what's going to happen. So do me a favor, stand to your feet, Thrive. We're going to read the word this morning as we jump in today, and we're going to go to the book of 1 Samuel, Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 21 through 23, 21 through 23, all right, and we're going to go ahead and read it, and uh, go ahead, open your Bible, or you can look on the screen as well, and it says this, it says, but the people took of the spoil, the sheep, and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, everybody say obey. Obey. 
obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. Verse 23. For rebellion, everybody say rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of divination. And presumption is as iniquity and ideology and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Come on, family, let's pray. Jesus, I pray for your grace this morning. And I pray, God, that you would speak. I pray I would decrease and you would increase. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to do what you're already doing from the parking lot to the lobby to worship. God, you were already working on our hearts on the way in here and once we got here. And so, God, I pray that this word would penetrate. God, we would hear what you have to say and that, God, it would grow us and build us into maturity and what you want to do with our lives. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, the Thrive Family said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. So today we're going to talk about obedience. Love this passage of Scripture. For those of you that are unfamiliar with it, I want to just give you a little bit of a, of a context, and then we're going to go into some points, and I believe that it's going to really help some people. And, and why I believe this, it, it, this is so important, with, um, as, we were, as I was preparing each week and, and, and kind of hearing from Holy Spirit and hearing from God on, okay, what, what's a sign of maturity? What's a sign of maturity? What's, what's a sign of growing up? And, and really, one that really stood out to me as I was preparing was this one. And I think this one is one of the most simple, but yet we have made it so complicated. If I could be honest with you, uh, in my personal life, I have made obeying Jesus more complicated than what it needs to be. I was just telling my Thrive group on Thursday that one of the most incredible things about the word, about the Bible, is that you can be a child and you don't have to know anything about the Bible and God can still speak to you through the Bible, or you can spend 50 years in seminaries and Bible colleges, and you still don't know everything. It's complex, but it's simple. And I love that Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, you see that he is able to bring complex ideas or religious concepts and break them down into simple understanding so you and I can serve and follow him. And so in talking with obedience, I, I believe this topic is, is so necessary because I, I believe that um, with, with, with all my heart that as humans, it is just in us to be disobedient and rebel. Come on, you all know when your kids say no. And they don't even know what they're saying no to. I remember one time, I was just telling someone about this this week, that Zadok, my son, he was like about a year and a half, and he doesn't like tacos, Pray for me. He's Mexican. I don't even know how we're going to do that. I remember he was a year and a half, and my wife made tacos, and, 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 and I'm already picky. Like, I'm going to be honest. He probably gets it from his dad because I'm already picky. And, and, but tacos, everyone likes tacos. Come on. If you don't, if you don't like tacos in this room, we're going to pray for you. Because how, how did God call you to California and you don't like tacos? Let's just be honest. He doesn't. He doesn't like tacos. He really doesn't like Mexican food. And so one day, he, he, we had tacos for dinner, and he refused to eat them. A year and a half. Refused to eat them. And he kept telling me, no, no, no. Because Zadok, when he was little, he didn't know a lot of words, but he knew no, and he knew how to, like, nod his head, and he knew how to, like, get his point across. It was really weird. And, and so I remember telling Zadok, Zadok, you got to eat. And he goes, no. 
I'm like, Zadok, you got to eat. And he goes, no. And I'm like, Zadok, bro, like, now I'm getting mad, right? Now I'm getting mad. Zadok, you got to eat. And he goes, no. Like, he got mad at me back. I'm like, bro, you're not even two yet. And I told Zadok, okay, if you don't eat these tacos, I'm going to give you a pow pow. I, was, I, 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 meant, I meant it. I said, okay, you get a pick, Zadok, because you want to be in control. Okay, I'm going to let you pick. You could pick the pow-pow or you could pick the tacos. And Zadok looks at me straight, straight dead face. And he was only like a year and a half, no laughing, nothing. And he goes, pow-pow. <laughs> it was that moment when, right? Come on. Oh, I love my boy. And, and, that's, and I think that's how we treat it. I think that's how God speaks to us. Chris, you can either do this and you can do that. And, and what we tend to do is we tend to complicate obedience. We tend to complicate obedience. But can I tell you that the person who is spiritually mature is the one who is able to be obedient quickly to Jesus. You and I have to learn this. You and I have to let God speak this into our heart and, and, and begin to function in this, that we have to learn to be obedient. In this passage in 1 Samuel, God specifically speaks through Samuel and he tells Saul, Saul, you are gonna go in and you are gonna conquer this city. And here's what you need to do, Saul. Do not bring anything back from that city. Don't do it, Saul. Don't do it. It was really simple. Don't bring any of the gold. Don't bring anything of the silver. Don't bring anything that's worth value. Burn it all. Why? Because I want to see if you're going to be obedient to me. It was a simple instruction. And, 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 and keep in mind, as we read at the end where it talks about how now God decides that Saul is no longer king in God's eyes. This isn't Saul's first time being disobedient. By this time in 1 Samuel chapter 15, right? Because you can read this passage and you could be like, man, God's mean. He's just going to like take stuff away. Yeah, when you're disobedient, constantly, why, why, why would God bless you when you're in disobedience? And, and, and you could say, well, that's Old Testament. He talks about it in the New Testament too. Why would God begin to trust you with more if you can't even be entrusted with what you have. Saul, go in there and burn everything that you get. And this is what Saul does. Saul finds a loophole to the word of God. And what Saul does is Saul complicates the obedient command that Jesus gives him, that God gives him, and says, you know what? I'm going to take this stuff, and I'm going to disobey what God says, but as long as I give some of it to God, then he will be fine. And, 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 I, and I, want, I want to really sit in this because how often do you and I sometimes, not every, every time, but, but how often in our life where, where we will try to give God only what we find is good enough in our eyes. When God has required something that is all of us and yet we give God what we feel is sufficient for him. It's like going to buy a car and the car dealer says, hey, you can have the car, but there's no engine. But I, but I bought the whole car. I know, but we don't, you know, we thought it was better if you didn't have an engine. 
And, and what we begin to do is we begin to tell God, and, and, and this story is a great example, is we begin to tell Jesus what obedience looks like in our eyes instead of what it looks like in his eyes. And this, my friend, is an indicator of an immature believer. And that's why I said I was going to remodel, we're going to remodel the whole kitchen today. Because if we're going to talk about maturity and immaturity, one of, I think, the easiest indicators is looking at your life or someone else's life and seeing that are they obedient to Jesus or are they not? Do they follow the way or do they not follow the way? Do they follow what he's called them to do or do they not follow what he's called them to do? And what I've found in this, when as I was praying and I was studying, I began to just look into it and, and examine my heart. And I began to ask, because, because I think what, when we read scripture, we think of it as, well, I'm not, I'm not Saul. Come on, you ever, you ever read scripture? Like you read David and Goliath and you think you're David? Come on. Come on, you read about Jesus and you think you're Jesus? I, I began to pray and I said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, um, I don't think I'm Saul, but, but God, I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to give you sacrifices to try to prove a point of me being disobedient. See, Saul is a great example of an individual who is, when they're disobedient, they use works to earn in their way into their relationship with Jesus again. And God says, no, 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 no. You will not earn your way back into this kingdom. You have to do what I say, and there's no other option. In this kingdom, listen to me, family, obedience is required. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. And I mean it out of love, but I want you to know that in this kingdom, if you're in here, if you are in here and you have not accepted Jesus as Lord, if you're in here and you have not said Jesus is your savior, if you are in here and you've not said that you are a disciple or you are a Christian, then you know what? You got to get saved first. You're kind of off the hook right now. Don't worry. We'll do that at the end of service. But if you're in here and you're saying, I'm a disciple, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm following Jesus, I'm going to do all that God wants me to do. Obedience is required. It's not an option. Obedience is not an option. It's, 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 it's absolutely essential. And so let me define obedience for you. Let's just break this down just a little bit. And then I got some points that I feel are gonna help some of us out. It says this, in Hebrew, which is we, where we get the word in 1 Samuel, in Hebrew, the word is shama. Everybody say shama. And this is how obedience is actually defined, which is really cool. It means to hear, to listen, to give attention, and to understand. In Greek, let's define it in Greek. And so in the New Testament, where it talks about how if you love the Lord, like in 1 John, if you love God, you'll obey him, right? The word defined is hupakawi. I think I'm saying it right. And it's submission to what is heard. And, and this, this definition, I believe, is really important for us. Attentive hearkening and compliance. And when I was praying this week, I asked the Holy Spirit, like, what do you really want us to focus on today? And I felt like God was saying this. I, I would love for, for, for our people to learn not just to be obedient, but, but part of obedience is you and I have to learn to hear what Holy Spirit is saying. Attentive hearkening. That's how he defines it. That's how the New Testament defines it. Meaning that when God speaks, do you and I listen and get attentive? 
Do you and I listen and get attentive? Because the truth is, is you can't be obedient unless you're hearing. And so for some of us who struggle with obedience, let me just break it down a little bit. One of the reasons why we might struggle with obedience is not because you don't have a heart to obey, but you have calloused your ears. You have closed your ears off to the way Holy Spirit would speak to you. You stop listening to messages on Sunday morning. You come into church and you tune out the pastor when he preaches. You stopped going to group. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped connecting with friends who are speaking into your life. And even if it's a little challenging, you, you, you've isolated yourself. And, and what we begin to do is we begin to make sure that the only person we can hear is ourselves. And can I tell you that the only person that you will ever please is yourself when you hear yourself. And even then it's broken. And the only way you're ever going to listen to Jesus, the only way you're going to um, please God, and the only way you're going to serve God, and the only way really in Scripture it says you can love God is that you have to obey Him. And the only way you and I can obey Him is we have to learn to listen. Jesus, in the Gospels, goes up to individuals, young men, and He says these words a few times to, to a select few, and He tells them, follow me. Follow me, follow me. And you and I, he's done the same thing. I've said this before that I believe those words are the scariest words that God can tell a person. Because when God tells you to follow him, he's asking you to get rid of your old life and find your new life in Jesus. Two words will change everything forever. Follow me, follow me. And God would say that to you today. Follow me, follow me, right? And, and he reminds us to follow him and to follow him and to follow him. But can I tell you that there is no way we are gonna ever learn to follow Jesus if we do not hear him say that. If our ears and our listening and our attentiveness is turned off. One of the greatest signs of an immature believer or one of the easiest signs, one of the easiest fruits to tell of an immature believer is a, is a believer who does not listen. Is a disciple who is unteachable. Is a person who is not willing to hear correction. You and I have to get to the place, and I believe that's what God would say today, is that you and I, family, can, can, can we get back to the place where Holy Spirit's speaking to us again? Come on. And, and, and not just on a Sunday. On Monday, in the car, on the way to work. On Tuesday, when the kids are driving you crazy. Come on. On Wednesday, when that mom that you really don't like was really mean to you. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, moms. On Thursday, on Friday, what, what, every single part of your life, that obedience is attached to listening and that you and I would learn to have an ear to what Jesus wants to say to us. And that the second step is that we would be attentive, that, that a, a, after listening, that we would hearken and that we would begin to do what Jesus calls us to do, right? So when Jesus says go, we go. When Jesus says stop, we stop. And, and you and I learning this reality, that, that following and, and, and understanding that following the Holy Spirit is necessary for obedience. 
And that obedience, the only way you're going to do obedience is by following the Holy Spirit. And that the, both of those are attached. And that by doing it continually and consistently, that's what develops maturity. I, I remember one time, let me, I'm going to get a little personal. I remember one time I was talking to someone and, and they were struggling with addiction. And, and they, would, they would try for like a month and then they would relapse. And they would try for like another month and they would relapse. And they would try for like another month and they would relapse. And I mean try, like they would go to work and anybody who knows addiction understands how hard it is. They would go to work and they would do the right thing and they would, do, they would go to church and whatever the case may be. And then they would relapse. And I remember one time I was talking to this individual and I was saying, like, man, you gotta, you, 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 you gotta step it up. Like, it keeps happening, bro. You gotta, we gotta change something. And I remember this individual told me this, and, and, and I, I, was, I was shocked. He said, but, but Chris, I'm trying. Chris, I'm trying. And every time I try, I feel like I, it just doesn't work out. And what I told him was this. I said, bro, you're not trying long enough. I said, you're not trying long enough. I said, I know you're trying and God sees that you're trying. But the truth is, is that the only way you're gonna develop a lifestyle and the only way you're gonna break a habit of sin is you have to constantly be obedient. To where obedience is not just this thing. I think we've treated obedience as this like mountaintop moment where, oh my gosh, if only I can be obedient to that big thing that God asks me. But can I tell you in the normal life of someone who loves Jesus, God brings you little things every day he wants you to be obedient to. And that's what actually develops your maturity. God is not looking for the mountain high moment of obedience. Guys, you're not Elijah. You're not gonna kill 450 prophets of Baal and you're gonna call fire down from heaven. If you are, call me when it goes down. Because I'm ready with my phone and I'm gonna post it on TikTok. I'm ready. When you call me when God says, God told me to walk on water, I'm there. And then we'll just say you're getting baptized if you didn't make it, okay? <laughs> the truth is, is that God asks you to do little things like don't speed to work today. Don't listen to secular music. Don't cuss at your wife. Don't cuss at your dog. Don't cuss at your kid. A lot of us, it has to do with cussing, let's be honest. <laughs> and it's the daily life of obedience that develops maturity in the disciple. And so just a few points that I feel that would help us. Number one is that obedience is synonymous with discipleship. You cannot follow Jesus if you do not obey. Obedience and discipleship go hand in hand. You cannot get one and out the other. And that is why I'm going to say something that sounds really mean, but I promise I love you. We have a lot of Christians who aren't disciples because they have detached obedience to discipleship. We have people, not necessarily maybe here, but in general, in, in post-Christian American Western culture that would say, I'm saved by grace, but Jesus is not Lord. And God requires lordship as much as he requires salvation. The God that redeems, restores, forgives, set free, that sets free and loves you is the same God that's on the throne, that is king, that requires all of your life. And in his kingdom, his way is the only way. 
The Jesus, I love it. It's, it's the Jesus that says, no height, no depth, no angel, no power, no principality, no rule, whatever, right? Nothing could separate you from the love of God. And then later on, he says, but yet this road is a narrow road and only few will make it. And you read those and you're like, well, what is it then, Jesus? Do you want some of us or do you want all of us? Or do you love all of us or you don't love all of us? He's like, it's both. It's both. I love you and I've forgiven you and I'm so excited that you're in my kingdom and I, I died for you. And, and when I was on that cross, I thought of you and, and I love you so much, son. I love you so much, daughter. And I want you to do what I told you to do. And I want you to be obedient. And I want you to do everything I've called you to do. I want you to follow my word to the T. I want you to do when I, I want you to do something when I tell you to do something. Why? Because it is your interest and in my best interest to follow Jesus in the way he's called us to follow him. It's oftentimes, even when I've talked with young people about people that are celebrities, right? Come on, how many know sometimes celebrities, they'd be wild and out. That's a different life. And, and they ask me, like, are they a Christian? I'm like, I don't know. Jesus has to decide that. But they're definitely not a disciple. Because what we've done in modern societies, we've defined Christian as someone who has accepted Jesus as Savior. But what we've done is we've excluded discipleship out of the process. We've excluded obedience out of the process. And now we have celebrities, even celebrity Christianity, that would say all you need to do is say a prayer and now you're in. When God says no, there's more to it than that, that your life is greater than just a prayer and a Sunday experience. I've called you to live every single day to follow me. And it is in me that you will find your life. It is in obedience that you will find freedom. It is in me that you will find healing and that you gotta do what I called you to do. You and I have to learn to fall in love with obedience. And so if consecration, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, is this idea that my heart wants to get as far from the line as possible. Obedience is making sure that I never cross over that line. Obedience is the action. Obedience is actually the practical. Obedience is the thing that God calls you to and the devil tempts you on Monday when no one's looking. If, if the devil can get you to be disobedient in the little things, he knows that God won't be able to trust you in the big things. And again, I'm preaching to myself. Let me bring another point, which I think will help us, is that when God says yes, and we say no, it's disobedience. And when God says no, and we say yes, it's disobedience. You following me? Let me help, let me help define it just a little bit more. This would be, right, the Greek definition, the Hebrew definition, this is like kind of the Chris Coe's definition, all right? Just to help break, my, break it down in my brain. And so here's how it works. If God says yes, and you say no, it's disobedience. Simple as that, right? We're not gonna complicate it. Don't, we're, not, we're, not, we're not complicated. If it says it in his word, or God speaks to you, if God says go pray for someone, and you say no, it's disobedience. If God says go to church, and you say no, it's disobedience. If God says you need to go to a small group, and you say no, it's disobedience. If God says you need to help that homeless person on the side of the street, and you say no, it's disobedience, right? If God says you need to be nice to your cousin in Thanksgiving and you say no, it's disobedience. 
but what about this and what about that? No, no, no. It's, it's, let's just call it what it is. It's disobedience. You're being disobedient. I'm not saying God hates you, but you're disobedient. And then flip it. When God says no and you say yes, it's disobedience. God says don't smoke weed. When you smoke weed, it's disobedience. God says don't watch things online you're not supposed to be watching. When you watch them, it's disobedience. Come on. Come on. It's just it's what it is. It's what it is. When God says no and you say yes. When, God, when, 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 when your boss is trying, right? Pastor Eric always talked about this. When your boss is trying to get you to lie on the paperwork and God says no and you say yes, it's disobedience. It's disobedience. And you and I have to learn to fall in love with this because it's not just about doing it. It's falling in love with this. It's saying, God, I want to love what you love and I want to hate what you hate. God, I don't want a heart of disobedience. God, if your word says no, then it's no. And if your word says yes, then it's Yes. And this is what we do, because this is what happens, especially when God tells us to do, in both ways, but in God, when God tells us to do something, yes, or God says to do something, no, right? He's like, Chris, don't do this, or Chris, do this. And this is what we do. We go to God like Saul went to God, and we say, oh, but, but God, don't you know that I served three weeks on Connect Team? God, don't you know what my tithe is? God, don't you know what my offer, don't you know how much I did for my old church? And God's like, and? Because God's not interested in your report card of Christianity. He's interested in your current relationship and growing in him. That's tough if you've been saved a long time. Come on, that hits a different way. But, but, but God, like, like what Saul said, but, but God, I, got, I gave you the best gold and, and I gave you the best cow. And, you know, that, that carne asada sounded really good, but I offered it to you. And God said, I called you to fast. I, th- I told you, and I told you, and I used someone else to tell you, and I told you in front of everybody. See, that's, that was the problem with Saul, is that not only was Saul, did he hear it from a prophet, but he heard it from a prophet with his people, and he led his people into sin along with him. And you know what Jesus says when he, when he says in the Gospels, he says the person who leads another person into sin, who would lead a child into sin, it's better that they put a milestone around their neck and throw themselves into the river. What is God saying? He's saying, church, can you and I fall in love with obedience so that way the world can see a Christianity that is real and authentic and not see a Christianity that would lead people astray? When God says yes, we say yes. And when God says no, we say no. We say no. And so Paul, or sorry, Saul in, in, in the scripture is challenged with the call of obedience, but then falls into the reality of rebellion. And can I tell you that the opposite of obedience is rebellion. And so I just have a couple of things that I feel would help you. I got five things to help differentiate the two because some of you are in this room right now trying to even process. And I think it's the Holy Spirit moving. I really do. It's like Jesus. It's what he did to me this week is Jesus, am I disobedient? Is there anything in my life that I'm disobedient? Is there anything in my life that, do I have a heart of rebellion? God, I don't want to be immature. God, I'm tired of going through the sin cycle again and again and again. I'm tired of living in disobedience. Let me, let me just break down what I believe are 
consequences of obedience and consequences of rebellion, okay? So obedience and rebellion. And if I can have the worship team come up, that would be great. Number one is obedience operates from healing, but rebellion operates, uh, operates from brokenness. You want to, just a little bit about the difference between obedience and rebe- rebellion, obedience and disobedience. Number one is we're obedient because we're functioning from a place that God has made us whole. We're not obedient so we can become whole. Does that make sense? We, we're not, and, and I believe in the process of learning obedience, God does bring healing for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you just got to do what God says to do. And in the process of God telling you what to do, he begins to put you together. Come on. Like by faith, right? Like that song, Oceans. Come on now. I got to step out. My trust, right? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders, right? Sometimes, but, but oftentimes, the, the people who are spiritually mature, and, and, that, and that maturity would be our heart, it would be our goal, is that you would operate from a place of healing. It's because God has made me whole. It's because God has healed me. It's because God has forgiven me. And, 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 you, and you see this with people who don't necessarily struggle as much with obedience because they're not, they're not trying to conjure up this idea of obedience. They're just functioning in the way that God's called them to function because he's put them together. He's made something new. But people who struggle with rebellion, almost always it comes from a place of brokenness. Oftentimes, rebellion is the consequence. That's the, the sin action is the consequence of a deeper thing on the inside. Maybe the reason why we go back into our disobedient cycles and our rebellion is because there's something deeper that God needs to transform on the inside of us. A deeper brokenness, a deeper hurt, a deeper pain. And I believe that Jesus... I want to tell you today that if you're in that, God could heal you from that brokenness and that pain. That you do not have to stay stuck in that forever. That you don't have to live in rebellion. You don't have to live in disobedience. That God, if if your heart today was, man, God, I want to be obedient to you, but I got so much stuff on the inside. God would say, okay, let me go in and do some heart surgery. Let me go in and transform you from the inside out. Let me do some invisible work. Let me do some things that would call, that would heal you and, and call you higher and, and speak into you. And it's a beautiful thing because the people in this room can testify. If you're struggling with that, there are hundreds of people that go to this church that can testify that I was broken, but God healed me from the inside out. Number two. Obedience draws us closer to Jesus. Rebellion pulls us, far, far, pulls us away from Jesus. Obedience draws us closer to Jesus. Have you ever realized that when you're really following Holy Spirit, you just feel, you just feel like, like this, like it's at the hip, right? You just feel super tight. I, believe that's what, I just believe that's what God loves. God, God loves it when you, when, when you and him are connected and are intertwined. It's like what he talks about in the Gospels. He's in you and you in him. One of the saddest consequences of disobedience and rebellion is that it actually pulls us away. When we disobey, we're telling God that his cross and his, rex- his resurrection is not good enough for our life. 
and that his presence and his closeness and his proximity is not necessary to function in what I want to function. That's what we do. And we don't realize we're doing that, but that's what we do. When I sin, I am choosing the world instead of Jesus. I am saying that his way is not the right way and my way is better. And what I am doing is I am creating a God of my own heart instead of following the God that should sit on the heart of the throne of my heart. And, and this is what happens. The more you disobey, the farther you get. It's tough, isn't it? So it just feels like you, you ever, been in, you ever been in a season of disobedience where it feels like you're just digging yourself in a hole again and again and again and again and you just keep digging and you just keep digging and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. The cool thing about Jesus is that anytime you call out to him, he'll pick you up from that hole. The cool thing about the gospel, it doesn't matter how far you are, Jesus will get down in the dirt and get down in the grime and say, son and daughter, I'm gonna pick you back up and I'm gonna hug you and I'm gonna bring you back home. And listen, but can I tell you that the life of a believer is miserable when you get Jesus' hug and you go back to the dirt. And you think that God wants for you and I, that we would go back to the dirt that God delivered us from? No, the key to being close to Jesus is constant obedience to him. Constant obedience to Jesus. Not, not because Jesus is far away, but because we push ourselves away. I got, I got a couple more, you guys good? This is really good. I was like crying when I was preparing this this week. God was just, it was just hitting me. Number three, obedience fuels your personal testimony, but rebellion fuels personal hypocrisy. You know what the cool thing about when you're obedient is that people see you're obedient and they see Jesus in you, come on. They see Jesus in you. What, what's different about you? Oh, you know, I, I go to church or whatever, whatever you process is, right? Like, oh, I, I, when people ask me, right? Like, oh, what's different about you? Oh, I, I love Jesus. And they're like, I love Jesus too. I'm like, well, they're, well I don't know, because you said there's something different about me. And I don't say that. I just, I think, I thank God for Pastor Eric teaching me to tame my tongue love you right but but come on and then you see people who are disobedient and immediately the image that comes off disobedient Christians produce hypocrites whether you like it or not it's just true and now your friends and family look at Christianity because that's the tough thing they're not judging you they're judging the church they're not judging you they're judging Jesus they look at your hypocritical lifestyle and they determine that God's not real based on your life. Or they determine God is real based on your life. And so you and I have to understand that obedience and, and consistently being obedient helps show the world who Jesus is. Number four, obedience is, it, it increases. We have increased sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Disobedience desensitizes us to the Holy Spirit. This is, this is one that I struggled with my whole life. I know I'm not where I need to be maybe with Jesus because what begins to happen is Holy Spirit's not speaking to me the way he used to. I start feeling desensitized to him. 
And family, can I tell you, the worst thing is feeling desensitized to Holy Spirit. When you're in a room and God's moving. And, and I'm not saying it because out of feeling. It's, it's, it's right, we don't, we don't live on feeling. We live on faith, absolutely. Our relationship is built on rock and not on emotions. I should have talked about that last week. However, you ever been in a place where you know that God's moving in everyone else's life, but, but for some reason you just can't be connected to him and you know it's because of the disobedience of your life. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know you can't go pray for someone because you're in disobedience in your personal life. You know you can't, Whatever the case, you can't worship the way you, that's a good one. Come on. That's a great one. You know what I'm talking about? You can't lift up your hands and go to Jesus the way you did the week before because what you did at the party on Friday. And what it does is it isolates us and it desensitizes us. And I want to tell you that, man, Jesus would deliver us from that. That you don't have to live in that. And lastly, uh, Obedience develops spiritual maturity, but rebellion develops spiritual immaturity. I want to believe that God would call this house to develop in spiritual maturity, to grow, to mature. And the only way we're going to do that is by being obedient. Last point. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, amazing author, he says this. He says, one act of obedience is better. Come on, put that quote up there. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. And I believe that. See, this is the message that if you leave this here as a cool conversation, it won't change your life. But this is the message that if you would let God examine your heart tonight and start to shift things tomorrow, I believe everything would change. I believe everything will start to change for your family. I believe everything will start to change for your personal life. I believe everything would change for your relationship with Jesus. I believe everything would change in the way that you um, talk to people and the way you are in your workplace. I believe everything would change in the way you are at school for young people. I believe everything would change. Why? Because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm going to take what I'm hearing and I'm going to put it into action. I'm going to stop letting disobedience keep me away from what God has for me. And, and I think the most tragic thing about disobedience is this, and I feel like this is gonna really bring it home for some people, is that because you've been disobedient for so long, you have calloused your heart to Jesus. What you have done is your heart, which was soft when you first got saved or you first met God, God began to get a, a, a knife and a chisel and, and a hammer and he began to hit the hard parts of your life and he began to hit the hard parts of, of your past and he began to chisel the hard parts, that the, the hearts of stone and the places where you would build up your walls and build up your stuff so that way you could, you could protect your heart and you could isolate your heart from everyone because I was already hurt once and I don't want to be hurt from again. And, and, and what began to happen is God when he saved you and he healed you and he transformed you he made your heart soft he renewed a, a new heart in you like scripture says but then disobedience brought all the callousness back 
And some of you might be in the room saying, Chris, I can't be obedient. I, I, I just can't. I, I, I'm stuck in this. I'm stuck in rebellion. I'm stuck in sin. And I want to tell you, no, that that's not the gospel. That the gospel says that it doesn't matter how far you are, and it doesn't matter how broken you are, and it doesn't matter how hard your heart is, that Jesus can still give you a new heart. And so today... I believe that Jesus would ask you that question. Stand to your feet with me. Come on. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.